Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to the Dolcezza Sherber Experience on Full Service Radio. We are live from the Line Hotel. This is Violeta, your host, and here with my co-host and partner, Rob Duncan. We are from the Dolcezza family. Uh, we founded Dolcezza here in Washington, D.C. back in 2004. We make gelato, and we've been talking about our history, um, the history of um, Rob and Violeta and the history of Dolcezza and how this all came about. Um, so this is part three of our story. Um, and last time we ended up in 2004, um, the year in which we opened our first location here in Washington, D.C. Um, that was a seminal experience for us that basically defined a lot of um, who we are today. So um, we ran into a lot of issues when we opened, like every other entrepreneur in the world. And um, where, where did we laugh, Ra? So the the last show we were talking about was um, kind of when we opened up our shop in Georgetown, July 21st, 2004. And, you know, at that time, um, I was still doing my software engineering, um, a project, freelance project here in D.C. with the government. That That's what brought us to D.C. And then you were enrolling in your first semester at American University to finish your school that you had um, gotten halfway through in Argentina and Buenos Aires. And so we were opening up our own business, our own shop, and we were doing both other things. Your mom and your stepfather, Isabel and Oscar, flew in from Buenos Aires to to help us. And 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 the thing that we were doing was uh, we were jumping into something that we had not any experience of doing and it was all like a, a, just a, an idea and I, and I say that I always talk about it being kind of like the very non-American way of um, doing a business in the sense that in America the, the way to do it is like you sit down first and you create a business plan and you do the demographic study, the foot traffic study, the market study, then you get your funds and with that build your team and then you go and execute on the plan. That was the opposite way that we did all this. We kind of like saw this thing that we wanted to do which was specifically um, a gelato and a coffee um, shop but the overarching um, reason was we wanted to do our own thing. And so we just did it and with no plan, but we had zero business plan and and kind of um, went on a journey that's been 15 years long and um, and it's still unfolding. So 
you know, not really going into too much of the um, gory details, but essentially, when we opened up that that shop, um, you know, I was going and doing a software engineering project um, about 15 minutes outside of the city. I would go there and work in the morning, night, the typical nine to five. I would run home, change clothes, run over to the shop and relieve either your mom or you or your stepfather, Oscar, where you guys could go home. And I would work the night shift and then I would close and I would clean the shop and um, and go back home and then wake up and kind of do that same thing over again. So, you know, the thing that, that I really remember mostly about the um, opening of the, the business was really kind of, I guess, the first two years was this trial by fire that I I really, there's probably maybe one or two moments, three moments in my life that uh, I look back with that same level of intensity and um, and kind of um, a, a becoming of like, it was either you you sink or swim, make or break, live or die moments that that then set up um, the the rest of the of the path down the road. So you know, we we opened in 2004 and had never made one batch of gelato ourselves. So we were opening up a gelato shop and we had actually never made the um, any any of the gelato. So we had a guy come up from Argentina. He was actually a Venezuelan, and he came and lived with us for a month. And he helped us to, to, he was making the gelato with us, for us, for that first month. And I remember begging him right before he left to go back to Argentina, like, can you please stay another month? We need your help to um, show us really how to to make um, enough gelato for a shop that's busy. It was busy um, from from day one. And and obviously he couldn't stay, and he went back, and you know we 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 picked up where he left off, and we went for it, and um and it was um super poignant, intense, thrilling, terrifying, exhausting, the going through the unknown. It was like a lot of those moments that um, defined us, and and kind of set us up for. I think the rest of the the fifteen years that was to come, um, the this whole journey of Dolcetta. What so? What's what's your memory? Oh, of, I have of many those, memories. Those moments. I of have like a lot opening. of memories, but because um, it was very intense, and there was um, not one second um, of free space, and so um, there there was a lot going on. And so I remember how my life changed when we opened that store, and how I wasn't aware of what was going to happen fully. I remember thinking, you know, we're going to own a store and make gelato, but I didn't really understand what I was going to be doing. And I remember my stepfather getting really sick with cancer as soon as he got to the the States and he was going to be helping and he wasn't able to because he was going through chemotherapy and surgeries and so my mom was um dealing with that situation that was hardcore and painful and difficult and at the same time she was in a new country she didn't speak the language and she was opening a store with me and we were sort of following a little bit your dream um you had the idea of opening the store and then my stepdad had the idea of 
um, investing. And so we found ourselves, you know, immersed in this world um, and kind of a little bit alone because um, my stepdad, Oscar, was sick and you were working. Um, the reason why you were working was because the store couldn't support any of us and so you had to uh, support the family. You were still the provider and the store was, you know, didn't have any foundation yet, right? It was like the two, the two, the first two years is like the blade period, you know, the, where you define everything and, and perfect your product and build your culture. So we didn't have any of that. There was no foundation. We were just, you know, trying, like you said, trying to learn how to make gelato. And so I found myself um, suddenly with my mom um, making gelato, making gelato in the basement of our Georgetown location and learning about gelato machines and how to homogenize and how to pasteurize and uh, making churros um, every day, filling them with dulce de leche and selling, frying churros, um, a lot of churros. They were very popular. Um, and then hiring accountants and hiring attorneys and hiring employees and training employees and dealing with operations and then um, delivering to restaurants um, when we started doing that and at 1 a.m. with my mom and doing the books because we've, before we hire an accountant, um, Oscar, my stepdad, who was very sick, taught me how to do the books. So what is a P&L, profit and loss, and what is a balance sheet? And how do you do a chart of accounts? Um, I think I learned that in like two weeks, and I was doing it in a notebook. Um, at night, after we closed, I had to reconcile the bank accounts and balance the books. And um, it was all new to me, and... Um, it was, it was, uh, it demanded um, a lot of, you know, energy and, and the learning had to be quick. Um, I had to absorb a lot of information quickly and um, deliver. And so I think that sort of defines, you know, the way that we do things. I think that successful entrepreneurs do that. At the time, I didn't even realize. I just knew that I needed to survive. It was two years of, you know, survival kind of mode. Um, and I always go back to, you know, like our customers and how, you know, that was the silver lining that we had a lot of people that liked our product and were interested in what we were doing and wanted to support us. And so that's sort of what kept us alive. And I think the customers come for a couple of reasons. I think one of them is the product, um, most of all. So we... We always knew that we wanted to do something really good, right? No matter what it was. And so we're never going to do something mediocre. We're going to try our best and give it all. And so that, that translated into what we were doing. Um, an incredible gelato. And then, um, and then the ambience. I think we tapped into something. You know, at the time, there wasn't um, a gelateria like ours around and it was the early days of before you know farm to table and and I think that that sort of touched something that resonated with people well I mean the thing is this though we did not open 
in 2004 with this whole idea of like we're gonna be the local farmers and all that 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 was something that um i i remember the moment in time that that became um a thing for me was i was in this government contracted job doing freelance installation and i was in philadelphia and so i would go up there on um take the train to philly and on sunday night stay there till Thursday evening and then come back. So every night after coming back from the project of doing the software gig and all that, I would go explore the streets of Philly, which is a great food town. And I came upon this place called Capogiro Gelato. RIP, they're long gone. Well, not long gone. It's not too, um, it's pretty recent that they actually ended up um, closing shop. Um, but I remember walking in there and it was peach season. And so they had the peach gelato there, and I was just blown away by it. And the, the, the lady who um, owned and ran it was um, Stephanie, I think her name is Raitano. Um, and she was the chef, the creative mind behind it. And I remember calling you all and saying, man, this stuff that I'm trying is amazing. It's the best um, gelato that I've ever had. And we came back and went to the DuPont market during peach season and we'd already had a relationship from the consumer of um, with Toygo Orchards and so we got a crate of yellow peaches and took it back to the kitchen in Georgetown and made peach gelato and that kind of opened up this whole thing um, a very deep hole of wow there's all these ingredients from all these farmers around us that um, we could use and that really began I, I guess like the first year into it that began the process of of um, starting to use local ingredients to make our product and so when we opened with under the um, under the guys um, the guiding hand I guess of his name was Gustavo, I think, the, the Argentine guy. You know, we had 30 flavors, the 30 flavors that they have down in the gelato parlors in Argentina. And that's, you know, we didn't know any better. And so we just said, cool, this is the menu that we're going to run with. And so we did. And then that experience up in Philadelphia at Capogiro kind of opened up the biggest chapter, one of the biggest chapters within um, the history of Dolcezza as far as that's really when our menu went from 30 flavors to the 250 flavors that, that we run now. And not only did that change our menu, that kind of changed the whole ethos and, um, and, and the whole world for us as far as then we started really getting into all the farmers markets. There's um, coming here to the Lion Hotel in a couple of weeks. There's this um, big event um, called the Fresh Farm um, Dinner. So I remember the founders of Fresh Farm and Yonkers and Bernadine Prince came to us and um, invited us to participate in the farmers markets and sell our gelato in Pin Quarter first and then Dupont um, Market um, second. And so that is what began the whole journey of Dolcezza using strawberries when strawberries were being grown in Virginia and then, you know, finishing off with the, the season in Pennsylvania. And then that bled into the raspberries, the blackberries, the blueberries, the, the mints, the opal basils, the basils, 
Um, and, you know, all of the local produce, the peaches, the plums, the apricots, the cherries, then, the, you know, the pears, ciders, neck pumpkins, sweet potatoes, gingers, turmerics, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that really was something that um, doing your business that way added so much, um, so many dimensions to, um, to us just coming in and um, running a business. Meaning that one way of doing it is you have your local distribution companies that have a list of the items that you can order and you can just week to week, day to day, you can place an order for all that stuff to come in. And that's one way of doing it, and that's fine. I'm not knocking that. Um, but there's another way that we kind of happened upon and went with and have done for the last 15 years where you actually get to know the families, the people, the third-generation farmers who are growing or raising or making your ingredients, and so you incorporate them into your product. And it's a night and day difference between the richness of the experience you know um we've become such dear friends with a lot of the farmers and their families and gone out to their farms and they've come to our house and um that that's that's probably of this whole journey of the naive innocent journey and into opening your own business and making gelato that really i think defined dolcezza and then me personally and probably you as well we let the um of doing it that way added so much of the um, richness to the experience. And obviously, it's not only in just the quality of the product, but just all the stories and getting to know the characters and the people who are m growing your food, your ingredients. And, um, and you know, still to this day, 15 years later, that's that's the way that we do it. But, yeah, I mean, I just, that was a moment in time in the, the history of Dolcetta where... I was able to finally quit my software job and go full time into the to the to the kitchen, and that's when I just um, I kind of went crazy with all the all the stuff because I fell in love with it, and I'm still so in love with it. I I, I actually because of this experience with Dolcetz and working it this way, that's um, that's what I want to end up doing someday. I just want to end up growing my own food. And learning the compost and having the relationships. I mean, two weeks ago we had Zachariah Lester here talk about all this stuff. I mean, and that's one of the, you know, that's one of the examples of what I'm talking about as far as the these characters and these growers who kind of came into our life and to our orbit of Dolcezza and forever changed and forever defined the way that we do what we do, which is at Dolcezza, but it's also all the way back at home um, with kind of honoring the seasons getting to know your local community, your local community of growers and makers and um, butchers and cheesemakers and bakers, etc. And then seeing how we can um, all work together. And, and it seems like, no, it does not seem like. It is truly like a true community model. I think, you know, it's something that's really, um, it makes it that much um, more rich to do it that way so that's a that's a major milestone and a memory from these last 15 years of um of doing a software gig in philadelphia walking into a local gelato shop and then kind of seeing them use some of the local ingredients and then that coming back to washington dc in a 300 square foot kitchen and changed it forever you know those little moments those paradigm shifters are always stuff that 
I always look back upon and it's kind of like you have a before and an after and that was like a major before and after moment for for me personally that affected Dolcetta and everything so I don't know do you, do you have any like before and afters with um, back in the beginning days of Dolcetta? Um, I'll tell you after the break we're going to take a short break and then we can talk about before and afters defining moments in my life Welcome back to the Dolcezza Sherber Experience on Full Service Radio. We are live from the Line Hotel. Um, this is Violetta, your host, and we're talking about um, before and after defining moments in the life of Dolcezza and in the life of uh, Violetta and Rob. Um, so uh, for me, like when you got lost in the kitchen and you were making 250 flavors and you were suddenly you know becoming this gelato um mad genius um i kind of left dolcesa for a second and that's when i went to work for national geographic um so so it, because it was so hard the first two years i think i i sort of needed a break from it for a second and i needed to regroup and see where i was going and so after i finished my degree in communications um I decided that I wanted to give it a try to um, the world of production, which is what I was doing before um, in Argentina, but in my in this new country where I was living. So I went to work for Geographic, and I did documentary production, um, and it was very demanding and it was very intense, and um, and that was okay, but. Um, after you know a couple of years, I think, or maybe less, of being there, um, I saw how you know Dolcezza had evolved. Of course, I was extremely involved with it and working um, still at Dolcezza after I finished working for Geographic and on the weekends and still doing the books and still doing a million things for it. I wasn't disconnected, but. Um, but I was the one then having two jobs, I guess. Um, and then there was a moment in which um, I started thinking about having kids. Um, and that was 
defining, I guess, uh, because I realized that there was no maternity leave at the time at National Geographic, and I was going to have to go back to work right away, and I was going to um, not be a present mother for my kids as much as I wanted it to be, and that was very important to me. So that was one of the reasons why I regroup and thought, you know, maybe I should go back to Dolcezza full time. But it was also um it was also a different time in the company in which I felt like I could assume a different role and that was important to me. It was always important to me to use my brain and not so much my hands. Um for you it was more of, you know, making the gelato and for me it was more about building a company. And Um, and, and the time was right for me to do that. And so um, it, it, took me, it took me some time because I've, you know, I felt like I was going to sacrifice my career in a way at the time that I was supposed to be working in production. Um, but I didn't see the full picture. And then once I finally took that leap of faith and went back to Dolcezza, I, like, I always say that I never regret it for a day. Um, it was the right thing to do. It was much more meaningful. It was much more beautiful. It was, it was everything that I wanted. It was something that allowed me to spend a lot of time with you, which for me was extremely important. Um, it was, it was uh, rewarding. It was um, creative. Um, it allowed me to, um, to, to do a million things, which is what I like to do, but for myself. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the allure of being an entrepreneur, right? Is Yeah, you work your ass off, but, um, but you don't have a boss. You are, your, you are your own boss. And I think that concept is it's defining for you and me um, because we definitely don't like to work for other people. That's something that I think we figure out very early in our lives. And so to be able to realize our own vision and do something together um, was really important and so in that sense you know things change um, a lot and and that was the time in which we were expanding already our retail um, locations um, slowly opening you want to talk about how we opened up like store number two like Go for that it. whole process you can you talk know? about it It's kind of like this whole process that we talk about that was, that is um, Dolcezza. It's like, it's all, it's, it's a way of doing stuff that, um, it's, a, it's and again, it's for better and for worse. This is not the recommended way I necessarily think for everybody <laughs> because it is, um, it's a trial by fire, which is sometimes very painful, but can also be very re rewarding because it truly is a journey of the, into the unknown, the dark night of the soul um, that one goes into not knowing what they will find, whether that's going to be um, angels or demons or whatever, you know, you're going to have success or failure. But, you know, the very first, so instead of like the first retail shop or the, the how the second retail shop happened, the first wholesale client happened um, like this. These are some of the examples of kind of the organic way of unfolding um, of Dolcetta. We're sitting there scooping in the Georgetown shop and a lady comes in and she's raving about it, saying this is the best gelato ice cream she's ever had. And she happens to be the concierge from the Ritz-Carlton down the street in, um, in Georgetown. And she's like, have you ever thought about selling this to restaurants? 
And so that is the birth of the Dolcezza Wholesale Restaurant Program because of that lady. I, I forget her name. She was... Um, but basically what happened was I had the chef from the Ritz-Carlton up to the kitchen the next day, and <clears throat> his name was Terrence Fury, who's this great chef back in Philly now with his brother. He was um, uh, just an amazing chef, and he came up and tasted it and f- thought it was amazing, and so we started delivering gelato once a week to the Ritz-Carlton um, in Georgetown. And so that opened up this wholesale restaurant program that in its glory days was about 150 restaurants strong, and we still have it. Um, and and so the similar thing happened to the retail side of things. Just kind of showing you that we went into this without a plan, without a roadmap, and we were just in it for the experience of doing something with our own hands, our own self, on our own terms. So one day we're sitting there in that same shop scooping, a customer comes in and starts saying how much he loves it and it's great. And would we ever consider opening up a second shop? And we looked at him and said, no, it hasn't really occurred to us. Um, we haven't really thought about that. So he invites us over for dinner to his house one night. So we walk into the, you know, through the neighborhood and have dinner with him and his wife. And after a couple of hours of the dinner, we're, we're about ready to go home and he says wait wait before you guys leave just hang on he gets out his checkbook and writes us a check for fifty thousand dollars so you know we walk out of that house and we're like freaking out like what the hell just happened to us that's insane and so then the 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 bethesda shop was open with this guy and his wife as our first investors our first business partners um and and that's you know, that's now nine shops, nine retail shops, 150 wholesale accounts later. Um, and, and, and another one of those stories, which is the wholesale pints business, the grocery store business. Um, I always told a certain version um, of it, but this guy that we ran into told another version of it that I just learned um, a couple weeks ago. What, do you remember the story that Alex told of um, kind of how the um, Pints business was born? You want Go for it. It's, it's your story. So mango season was, um, um, it was mangoes were in season, the champagne mangoes from Mexico. So I went up to Whole Foods in um, Georgetown, and I had gotten like the 15, 16 cases of um, mango, and I was in the grocery cart. It's like the worst way of doing it, right? And checking out in the, um, at the checkout within um, Whole Foods, and the store manager comes over to me and says, hey, if you, you want to buy cases like that, then um, I can cut you a deal on the case price and you can pick it up at the back dock. And by the way, that would also make my display um, look a lot better because you just destroyed my display in the, in the retail display. And so um, started getting mangoes from him at the back dock and he said, have you ever thought about putting your pints of gelato on the shelves of Whole Foods, of supermarkets? And again, we said, no, never thought about it. And he said, well, I can help you do that. And so he, this guy... Alex Torres filled out the paperwork. He was the store leader in Georgetown, and and that was where we first birthed ourselves in the world of grocery. 
So it's really, it truly is is like this way of going in and um, the way of doing things by just having like an idea or a certain um, belief of wanting to do something and and really not studying it or thinking about it too much before and just throwing yourself into it and embracing it 100%. So that's kind of how the retail business was born from a random customer in the Georgetown days having dinner at his house and him giving us a check. The wholesale restaurant program of Dolcezza was born from the concierge of the Ritz-Carlton in Georgetown turning us on to her chef. And then the the wholesale grocery business of Dolcezza was born from the store manager of the Whole Foods up in Georgetown, which is now closed, actually. So it's just um, so many different like memories of of going through and um, kind of defining yourself in the process, actually shaping um, oneself as, as you go into it. And it's, you know, I think now we're uh, 15 years into it, a little bit different now. It's like we try to actually now go in and sit down with a team and plan and um, strategize, but it's just always kind of romantic and nostalgic to look back on those days of the innocent days when, before you knew any better, you know, I think those are very um, defining moments within a yeah. life of individuals. Yeah, and, and today business. we are, we have a nationwide presence with Whole Foods. So, so you we, want to talk about that? Well, I mean, it's. How is Dolcetta nationwide with Whole Foods? What does that mean? Well, it's very simple. We, we're in 500 stores in um, the the good thing, the arch of it, the arc of the story is that, you know, we went from that one pint of mango in, in the Georgetown location to the 500 stores nationwide. But um, what I wanted to talk about is, like, you know, we, we the, the core of Dolcezza is that we're a family business, right? And we've always been a family business. And so um, we started the business with my mom and my stepdad, and we had your brother working for us. We had my sister working for us. My stepsister, our kids work. They work at the farmers market. So we're still a family business. And so I think there is this idea of you know growing and um, but still maintaining who you are and and how you do that. It's a, um, it's a and it's a not easy thing to do because just of the pressures that come upon a business as one's business grows, you know? You've got to really be kind of committed to that approach, I think. Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, I, I, I've, I'm always, when I'm on panels, or people wonder, you know, how do you work with your husband? <laughs> and how is that like? And um, how do you do it? And a lot of people run away from working with their spouses or family because it's hard, because, you know, you fight, because maybe you need your own space. And I always say that for us it's been the opposite. And, and we, yeah, we do fight, and yeah, we do have our misunderstandings and all that. But ultimately, I think that the key to being able to work together is... There's two things, I think. One is that, one is that we, are, we have very different ways of seeing the world and so I think that's really good for the business really really good um, you are a very you're the vision you and I and I am more of the execution and I think that a lot of businesses fail because 
They have the vision, but they don't have the execution, or they have the execution, but they don't have the vision. And so that marriage of um, ideas, um, it's key. And it's to, allowing a certain tension, because you, that, by its definition, is tension. Tension of um, two different ways of seeing things that are always there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's like a... It, if it can be done, it's probably the most um, robust and healthy way of doing something, whatever it is, whether it's a business, a family, or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to be able to sit at, to sit at a table with various um, people who have different points of view and to be able to, to talk about it. Um, and then if, if, if you can do that, the decision that is made based off of all that data, all that input, all those perspectives, you know, could be a strong, strong, strong um, way of doing it. Uh, and that's kind of, I mean, it isn't easy sometimes, but I still think even though it's not easy, it's the necessary tension in order to do that from um, multiple standpoints, from both the vision, the execution, the operation, the finance, you know, I mean, all those things are very important aspects of a business. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's the most healthy and, and um, way of doing it and taking any decision, I think. Yeah, so the other thing that I think is important in working with your family or working with your loved ones is that you need to be able to let the other person be who they are um, as much as you can. So I think that's, that's been big for you and me. You are who you are, I am who I am, and we let the other person express who they are we without certainly try, right? Sometimes without trying to change it. the other person. I don't like I don't think we try to change each other. No, I don't we either. don't. I don't either. Yeah. So I think I, I and a lot of people are in that game, you know, of trying to change the other person Especially to be the way the that they want them to be. Fundamental Quaker born United States. We've got to change, change, change right. how you so for are us, to the way I am. Right. So for us it's like, you know, you, you like I you have a skateboard um, ramp in our backyard and people look at me like, how did you let him do that? I'm like, what do you mean? First of all, I don't let him or not let him because he does whatever he wants to do. And second, it makes him extremely happy to skateboard and there's nothing I want more than you to be happy. So there is no question or there is no control you know, in, in, in certain aspects of the relationship and that goes for the business as well. And so I think that, you know, like that's sort of um, a key aspect of, of why we're able to function together 24-7 without driving each other crazy, although sometimes we do. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in general, you know, it's the fact that you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know what makes you happy or, or, or whatever. Happiness is a weird word, but you know what makes you feel good. Um, and... And, and we let the other person be who they are. You know, with like a kind of antidote on that point of working together and stuff, I, I'll never forget being in the software job and when I had to run home from the software job, change clothes and go to the scoop shop um, to close it. The boss of the project told me, he was like, he was in from Chicago. He would fly in from Chicago to D.C. on Sunday and fly back home for the weekend. And he looked at me and he's like, I could never, ever do that. I could never work with my wife. It would drive me completely crazy. Um, and it's like the, 
I'm so happy that I actually leave home every week and I'm only home on the weekends. It's almost all, it's kind of all that I can stand. And, you know, I looked at him and I said, what the fuck are you doing marrying this lady then? If you can't do, do more than just be at home on the weekends, and why, why did you, um, why are you living with somebody like that? And I, I mean, you know, he kind of like, I kind of shut down the conversation, I guess, when I just kind of laid it out on the table like that. But I, I don't know. I, 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 with the tensions and the differences and the conflicts that arise in a relationship because you have the conversations of money and this and that, more than anything, it's like, um, is it's like a joy to manifest and to create with you. Whether that is a biological child that we've created ourselves um, and birthed them into this world, or to Dolcezza, the this this entity now that exists and um, has grown over the 15 years. It's really... Um, I mean, it's not 100% sunshine, as nothing ever is, and nothing, nothing ever um, should be, but it's just a joy to manifest and to create stuff alongside of you, you know, and that's, to me, that's like, that is, the, that's like at the hardcore center of what Dolcezza is, is that. It's like, when, with your mom and your stepdad and their own differences that we've had and all that, it is so fucking cool to be able to do this with my family alongside and us all go out and do this together, you know? And it's like, it's this 15 years have been, oh my God, such a journey of thrills, of frights, of the whole thing, you know? And when I look back on it and see where we're at right now and see where we're going right now, it is, um, it's, I, I could not do it any other way, um, than doing it with the, the people that I trust more than anybody on the planet and the ones that I love more than anybody on the planet. You know, and that is seriously, that's like the heart chakra, the core center, the DNA of, um, of Dolcez is that, is the family. It's a family affair, family business. And we treat every single person that we bring into the, to the business like that as well. Um, yeah, it's a very central piece of, of, of Dolcez for sure. Thank you for that, Raul. That was beautiful. Um, so yeah, that's that's our part three of the Dolcezza download. Yeah, I guess that's the last 15 years. I mean, we didn't get into details of the horror stories or the, the joys <laughs> of um, certain things, but we maybe can dedicate that, another show to the horror stories. Yeah, we can. That would be the Halloween one. Halloween version. Yeah. Is the Dolcezza horror stories, <laughs> where do it like a like a Simpsons version of it kind of thing. They're the best at the Halloween um, Today was episodes. a love story. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. Yeah, you can wrap it up. You do this better. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we are... I'm so grateful to have the space to be able to um, express ourselves and tell our story. Um, so, we'll see you in two weeks. 